Well, I don't start most of my sermons by quoting from a Colombian drug lord, but I will today. All right, Pablo Escobar, Colombian uh, drug lord, said this. He said, I am not a rich man. I'm actually a poor man with a lot of money. Right? I'm not a rich man. I'm a poor man with a lot of money. And I have never talked to Pablo, right? And I don't know what is all behind this. But as I read that, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, he is a rich man, right? He's in the business of making money by selling drugs in Colombia. I think that's a lot of money. But being that he says, I'm a poor man, means that internally, he just doesn't feel fulfilled, right? This is his job, uh, sell drugs, make money, but internally he's not finding peace, he's not finding joy, he feels impoverished inside. Just happens to have a lot of money at the same time. But I wonder, though, if uh, different context, different place, that we as Americans, if we might resonate with that, if we might feel the same, that uh, we might not have money on the same level as Pablo, but we got money, right? We've we, we work hard, we have some money, but on the outside we look like we're doing fine, but internally we might feel a little bit impoverished, maybe feel like we have lacked or we're lacking something. Uh, just reading and just looking at culture, I feel like that's probably the case. Uh, it's been a well-documented fact for many, many, many years now that Americans, like we, ha- we are the worst in the world at resting and being still. Like, we don't know how to sit still. And that part of that is just our culture, right? We love being active. We want to accomplish. We want to produce. We want to live awesome lives, right? So we're, we're busy. We're, we're, we're busy at work. We're handling families, and we're taxicabbing our kids all over the place. We are busy, and we're, we're doing well, right? We're able to have some extra income, so we buy some toys. Problem is, we don't have the time to play with them, right? Or we don't have the friends to play with them with, you know? So we're stuck. We have the stuff, but we're not using it. We're busy. We're working. We're trying to be amazing in our lives. We, we use our Instagram feed to kind of, you know, show people how great we are, what kind of wonderful vacations we have, what date nights, our food, our amazing kids, all that kind of stuff. Problem is we look at others and we're like, their food looks better than mine, Right? They, they have a better vacation than I do or whatever. And so it just, it just feeds into this, this um, feeling of just feeling poor internally. So that's maybe our culture. But what I'm more interested, this is our church, I'm a pastor. What I'm interested in is how are you spiritually? Do you feel like alive and awake and enthusiastic? Do you feel like you're flourishing spiritually? Or do you also feel impoverished and dry and weary spiritually? That's my question and that's my concern. And, you know, as a pastor, I want you to be growing spiritually. I want you to be alive spiritually. I want your faith to be real and genuine. I want us to understand what it means to trust in the Lord and have that kind of a faith. Those are the things I want. But I wonder if that's the reality in our lives or if we just continue just to get pushed down and pushed down to the point that we just feel just so weak and unhealthy at times. 
If we ask now what our purpose is, what is the purpose, you know, of us joining? What, what's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of us being in Christ? You, you can answer it many different ways, right? I'm sure there's lots of nuances. But really, we, the purpose is for us to become like Christ. We want to become like Christ. Christ in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we feel, and we want to reflect that out in the world. But I'm pretty sure that Jesus was growing spiritually, that he was flourishing. And so if he was growing flourishing spiritually, that's what I'm, I'm hoping for us, and that's where I want us to go. That's where I want to guide you. So today, we are in uh, this chapter in Psalms. We've been kind of just looking at the Psalms this summer. Uh, we started last week with 42, and it was that, remember, it was kind of similar theme of being dry, right? As the deer pants for the water, so I long for the Lord, right? It's longing after him. Uh, this psalm, just a, a couple others from Psalm 46, uh, kind of has kind of a, a similar theme of us um, being in the world and seeing how the world is going, and are we, are we caught up? in the way that uh, the troubles of the world, and we're, are, are we getting pushed down by the world, or are we able to live in the world but yet see what God is doing, see him at work, and kind of rise above the troubles, and to grow spiritually, to have healthy, growing lives. So that's what we'll be looking at at this passage today, and it's important because it's part of our discipleship, Right? We want to become disciples of Jesus Christ and taking every area in our life and letting him speak into it, letting him move into it. And this is an area that all of us, we need God to speak into us, into our lives. Because if we look at the world, we say that the world is in trouble, right? We'll talk about that in just a minute. But how do we, as followers of Jesus, keep our eyes on Christ and grow in our faith and in our trust and grow healthy spiritual lives. So that's why we'll look at it. That's why this is important for us. May God speak to us. May he help us find rest and just be still today. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, Lord, let your light shine upon us. Lord, let your spirit just speak to our lives. We all carry a, a different uh, burden today. I'm sure we, we have things in our mind and our hearts, but Lord, we give those to you right now, and I pray that you would carry those burdens. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace and let us see you in your glory and let us rest in that as well. Father, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. All right, so as we open up Psalm 46, what do we see? The first thing that we see is the world is roaring. The world is raging. And when the world is troubled, we have a tendency to become afraid. We have a tendency to move towards fear. Okay? Look at this psalm. He kind of starts with the, with the, the truth, and then he works on. But here's the truth in verse 1. That this is the memory verse that we can memorize and let the Lord just let it um, resound in our minds. But it says this. God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Okay, there's the facts. God's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our eternal, always there help. It says in verse 2, Therefore, therefore, because of that, we will not fear. 
Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its surging. The writer wants us to, to stand right there at the beginning and just see the truth of God. But let's work through it backwards. Okay, let's look at verse 3. That the earth is in chaos. The waters are roaring and foaming. Right? There's this turbulence in the sea. The earth is quaking. It's falling into the sea. The mountains and all of that, the earth gives way. That's our reality. But he says, most people would be fearful of that. Most people would become afraid. However, we, followers of God in Christ, we don't have to fear because we have the rock. We have God who is the rock. He is stable. He is firm. He's the fortress. He's our strength. He is there for us. But we have this tendency to keep coming back to fear. All right, the world is full of trouble. I probably don't need to document this and kind of show you, but let's do it, all right? Let's just look at the world physically, and then we'll look at kind of our culture and what's happening. But floods, earthquakes, wars, right? There's a lot of things going on every single day in this world. Like just a few weeks ago, we went up to Yellowstone, all the way up to Wyoming, only to get to the gate, and they said, you can't come in. We're evacuating the park. Why? Because of flooding. Like, Come on, like that doesn't happen these days. Yeah, it's Yellowstone closed, but indeed it was, so couldn't go. Uh, right now, Yosemite, right? Yosemite's on fire, so I'm glad we're not going to Yosemite this week. That would be, that would be the killer. I would be so discouraged. But, uh, but we just look at floods. Uh, since the beginning of this month, what, it's, today's the 10th, so in the last 10 days, there's been major flooding uh, Afghanistan, India, Brazil, Australia, Pakistan, Malaysia, Ecuador, Oman, and then again in India and Afghanistan. Those are just in the last 10 days. And all of these people have died, people have been displaced. We don't hear about it all because they're not always just here. But the world is flooding everywhere. All right, let's go on to earthquakes. The day I wrote this on July 7th, I looked on some of those you know, earthquake uh, websites. Did you know that on July 6th, just one day, there were 409 earthquakes around the world. 409. Over the last 30 days, there was almost 5,000 earthquakes in the world. In 30 days, 5,000. Like that's, I get most of them are in the ocean or they're in, you know, faraway areas. We don't hear about it all. But there's some serious movement in this world. Six, by the way, six of those were over 6.0. So a few big ones in there as well. But you you see the flooding, earthquakes, all that. What about wars? All right, wars going on? Is the world at peace right now? No, of course not. There's eight major wars going on right now, or eight countries involved. And major war means between, you know, over 10,000 people have, have died in these wars. So we first think about Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia. Four months now, and still no end in sight. You know, tens of thousands of people have died there. What, 8.8? million refugees, a third of the population displaced. Like, that's, that's crazy. All right, but there's also other wars. Afghanistan, Yemen, Ethiopia, Mexico. Out of all of those, Mexico is the longest one. Uh, drug wars, right? I mean, when we look at wars, terrorists, insurgencies, drug wars, civil wars, ethnic cleansing, all of those things are happening. In Mexico, for the last 15 years, 350,000 people have died because of the drug war. 72,000 people are missing. 
That's crazy. Like, that's a world that's hurting. There's another 18 countries that are in war, just not as many casualties. So that, that's, like, that's like 26 countries are at war right now. That's crazy. So that's the environment. But what about, like, socially? You know, we think about here at home. Is there a war going on here? I mean, maybe not for the military, but we look at social, we could probably say, yeah. When I was, like, in high school, college, like, here's, here were, like, the big things, you know, that was in culture. Teenage pregnancy, that was, like, a hot button, right? There was a, a lot of concern about that. Um, uh, censoring on music. Remember the, the family values and the parental advisory labels that we, they would put on that. That was so big. So much debate and concern if we should be able to do that or not. There was the ozone layer, you know, kind of thing. And then there was like the Russian bloc and in East Germany and all that kind of stuff. And what those were those were the things that were like big issues that people were debating back then. What about now? Well, Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, has that brought a little uh, anxiety? Has that brought some anger, some passion to our country? Absolutely it has. You know, yesterday, still White House, and I'm sure for the ongoing time, there's going to be all kinds of picketing and parades and, and, and uh, protests. They're going to be like, it's going to go to the states. Like, that's not over. That's going to continue for a while. But that's, that's huge right now. We talk about gender identity issues, dysphoria, transgender movement, and how that reflects education and all of our kids. Like, that's a big thing. There's a lot of passion with that. Mass shootings like in Highland Park, and we could go on that. We know those very well. Gun reform and all that kind of stuff, those are hot buttons right now. There's ongoing racial issues that we see in our culture, and I'm sure they're going to be coming up again. We're We haven't gotten away from those. We haven't figured those out. Sexual assaults, abuse, trafficking, those kinds of things are big. But even in the church, those, like sexual abuse. But then the the church is just not at peace. The church has all, you know, how are we standing politically? Are we aligning with this way or that way? And churches are upset at each other and fighting each other. Like, this is just a crazy time. Do you see it? Do you see the world just in an uproar, physically, emotionally, socially. We see the nations and the states raging. We hear the people roaring. And when we get that kind of trouble, it's easy easy for us to become afraid. We become fearful. You know, if we're holding on to this world and the world is crumbling, we're losing our grip, then of course we're going to become afraid Oh, what's happening? And how do we how do we withstand this? And we've got to fight, or we've got to hold on more, and all of that kind of stuff. We put our stability in the country, in the politics, or in the world, or the environment. If we put our stability in that, we've just proven it. It's not going to be very stable. We're going to be surprised. So, what do we do? What do we do with that? What do we do with this fear? I mean, fear is a real emotion. We see it through in Scripture, right? We see again and again God saying, hey, I don't want you to be governed by being afraid. I don't want you to be governed by fear. As you, as you see this world, I want you to be able to trust me. But that answer is in verse 1. What do we do when the world is falling apart? 
Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. He's the ever-present help in time of trouble. Are we in trouble? We are. Do we need help? We do. Who is the person to help us? It is God, our refuge and strength. So why is he all that? Why can he be the one that we hold and to reach out to? As it says in the next three verses. It says, because God's kingdom is stable. God's kingdom is stable. His is not tottering. His is not falling apart. It's not coming uh, apart at the seams or crumbling. God's kingdom is doing just fine. So look at verse 4. We're, in between verses 3 and 4, we're going to take a breath. Okay? We just saw that the world is crumbling and all of the chaos Take a deep breath and go to verse 4. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Change of context. Change in perspective. Change in emotion. Change in everything. We go from chaos and the seas are roaring to this peaceful river with streams that bring gladness to the city of God. It says, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help, help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. See that change? Now it goes from the earth to the city of God. The city of God. And, and what is it? What do we see in the city of God? You see God dwelling in his holy place. And you see these rivers that are coming out and bringing joy, bringing gladness to the people that are there. You know, in, in Revelation 22, and you get to the end of the story, right? And Revelation 22 is the new heavens, the new earth that come down and, you know, all the, the darkness is gone, all the pain, the suffering is gone and all of those horrible things. It describes this city, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and new earth. You know how it describes it? This is in chapter 22, verses 1. It says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river is the tree of life. It's producing fruit. That fruit is for the healing of the nations. It's kind of cool. This psalm and that picture in heaven kind of mirror each other. That in this heavenly city, the city that we will spend eternity in. There's this river, the water of life, which is feeding the tree of life, which is for the healing of the people. I don't know, are we going to get our little ambassador mugs and be able to drink out of the river of life? I, I don't know. I kind of think we probably will. We'll probably be able to eat that fruit. And all of those things are bringing us life. But all of that's part, it comes from God's throne. And here in this psalm, as he's talking about the, the world falling apart, he's like, but in God's city, he's on his throne. And this little river is coming and bringing joy to the people, bringing gladness to the city. You see, there's a stability. It says God is within her, and when he is there in the city, she will not fall. The nations will fall. Every other nation, the world will fall. But the city of God never does. It never wavers. 
that never wobbles. There's no earthquakes. It is stable. It shows that God is stable, that God is in control. Because when we think of heaven, when we think of God sitting on his throne, I mean, it's, it's sometimes hard to look at this world and like all the chaos that's happening and, and just picture God on his throne, but there's, that's where he's at and he's not worried. He's not up late at night trying to figure things out, saying, oh man, I hope there's, we get a good Christian in the White House, you know, I hope these good bills pass or not. Uh, God's not voting he doesn't vote in our primaries. He doesn't have the I voted sticker. He doesn't come to that level. Nothing's going to throw him off. No law that Congress can pass is going to shake God. Not going to be, oh man, I didn't see that coming. All right, no decision from the Supreme Court is going to melt the city of God. Nothing that we do, no, nothing we do politically or socially is going to rattle God's kingdom. His kingdom is stable, it's secure. And that is our hope. When things are falling apart, when things are like, oh, I don't know how to make sense out of any of this, we look to God's kingdom and we see him on his throne. We see him in control and he's stable and there's a river of life that is coming down to bring joy to those people. You, if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a citizen of the city. We sometimes talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the city of God, all the same. You are a citizen of that kingdom. And what you have been giving will never be taken away. So if you are a member, a citizen of the city of God that is stable, that is firm, that's important for us to, to acknowledge and to realize and to put into our lives even now. To let the reality of that sink in, that I am a child, I belong to the city of God, and that will not fall. It will not fail. It will not crumble. Because God is stable. And if God is stable, and if I am to be like God, if I'm to be like Christ, then maybe I need to find some stability in my life. Maybe I need to continue to look, look to the heaven, look to God and take rest and trust in him. And that's exactly where this psalm goes to the end. As it finishes up, it's saying with God as our stable fortress in a world that's falling down around us, we are to look to God and we are to be stilled. To be still. So we, we need to learn now, what are the values of the city of God? What's the values of God's kingdom? How can we apply those into our own lives? What do we need to learn? And here he says it, two things. Look to God and be still. Okay, so here's our application. Because of all that we just talked about, because God is our fortress and he's at rest and because he's from the city of God and he is, he's in control and the world is stable, his kingdom is stable, how do we apply it? We're going to look to him, and we're going to find some stabilities where we stay still with him, okay? Here's what it says in verse 8. He says, come and see what the Lord has done. So come and see. Come and look what God has done. What is he doing? The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Look at that. Ending the wars. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the refrain that we heard earlier, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So as he brings us home, I mean, it's, it, it's in the context of strife. It's in the context of war, right? He's talking about the wars, the battle that he's going to end. He talks about the weapons of war that he's going to break. But all of this, it's in this context of, the, of war. It's like he's talking to the army, right? Like, we're in the Lord's army, right? I, that was a song I used to sing when we were little, little kids, right? I'm in the Lord's army. Well, we're the Lord's soldiers. He's talking to us. He says, you, you're part of my army. I need you to hear. I need you to listen to this. He says, come and see what the Lord has done. You need to take your eyes off of the battle and look up to your general. Look up to your king. It's like we're, we get so busy fighting. You know, it's kind of like you use this war imagery. We got our sword and we're just hacking away. We're swinging and we're just going after people. But the whistle blows and he's like, come back. Retreat. Let's, let's regather. Look up, stop looking at what's in front of you, and look what I'm doing. God, again, he's the one fighting the battle. We're not, we don't need to be fighting. He's the one. Here's what he says, right? He just said it. He's like, I'm breaking the bow. I'm shattering the spear. I'm burning the shields and the chariots and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of interesting. He's not saying I'm annihilating all the enemies. He's saying I'm breaking their weapons. I'm breaking their weapons. Their surface-to-air missiles, their jets, their bazookas, grenades, all that kind of stuff. I'm just breaking them like I break toothpicks. Just snap, snap, snap. And then you look, and they got nothing to fight with. Their weapons are gone. They've got nothing. So stop all of your busyness. Come back. See what I'm doing. I'm working things out. I'm causing wars to end. It may not be as fast as you want, but I'm in control. I've got this. I'm fighting the battles. I'm winning the battles. To the point where he says, the nations will exalt me. The whole earth will will come to this place of exalting the Lord. I'm working. Step back. Look what I'm doing. See how I'm moving. That's the first thing. And so, friends, the first thing we need to do is just, we need to pull back. I, I keep coming back to this, I keep remembering this, like, who are we fighting here? We can get so busy, caught up in fighting against all of these social issues, you know, all of these different wars, but Ephesians continues to remind me, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but what? Against those powers, the principalities, the unseen forces, that's the fight. So many times we get caught on on Facebook and every other social media stuff and other people, we're fighting against others. We're passionate, I get it, I get the passion. But remember who we're fighting. Come back, pull back, and say, that's not our enemy. But God is fighting this. Let me just align with him. And that really goes in the next part. In verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. That's hard for us. Isn't that hard? It's hard for me. But to stop what we're doing and be still. Uh, If you're following along with your Bible and you have different translations, probably I think every Bible has a different translation of these words. 
Um, mine, this one is a different version. It says, stop fighting. It doesn't say be still. It says stop fighting. But that's not as, like, it's not as cozy to me. We have, like, on our fireplace, we have a little sign that says be still and know that I'm God. But if it said stop fighting and, and know that I'm God, it wouldn't have that same, wouldn't resonate with my heart. But um, your versions may say something different. But the reason why there's so many different variations is because this word in Hebrew is kind of a, a weird word to figure out. The best, my Hebrew is not great. But the best I can come up with, it means to slacken, to slacken. What? To slacken. You think of ropes that have tension. You, when the rope is stretched out and has all this tension, you can't do anything with it. And so in order to roll it up or what, tie it in a knot, you got to like, I need some slack. And you need to pull it in so you can work with it. I think it's that kind of an idea. Like, you guys are all stretched out and you're all tense. Like, come back. Like, relax. So one version says, relax. I, I like this one. This one doesn't resonate in my heart as well either, but I like the idea of, like, in this context of war, of kind of like attention, come to attention. Right? When, um, when a general enters a room or a colonel, you know, the room is called to attention. And, you know, they call the room to attention. Everybody stops what they're doing, and they stand up. The reason for that is because the person who enters the room is far more important than what you were just doing, all right, than what you were doing. You, the person is who's important. And so you stop what you're doing, you stand up, you look. And sometimes the, that important person, the general, the colonel, will say, hey, as you were, hey, keep going, get back to work. But sometimes they'll say, stop what you're doing. Right, we're giving you a new direction. We're going to pivot. We're going to change course. I need all of you to be on the same page. You all need to be listening. You all need to be paying attention. I kind of like that here. The Christians, let's, let's pause and let's give attention to the most important person here in the room. Give attention to Christ. And Christ will say, hey, keep, keep going, carry on. Keep doing it or pull back. Let me give you some new, new direction. Let me give you some new instruction on how to, 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 to live in the kingdom of God, how to represent Christ in the kingdom of God. Because he's the most important person. We need to take time to, to pay attention and to hear from him. But we don't like doing that because we're so good at being busy. We're so good at being busy. But Throughout scripture, he keeps saying these things, you know, abide with me, rest with me, sit with me, walk with me. And God's pace is almost always slower than our own. If we're going to be living in his kingdom, if we're a part of the city of God, we're going to learn to hear from him, sit with him, be still, rest. I think it's just so funny that we as Americans, while we, we love being busy, we hate it at the same time. We just want rest. We just want to sleep. We just want to get a good night's rest, but we don't sleep well because we're all caffeinated late in the afternoon, and then we, we haven't done the things that are good for us to relax, like moderate exercise, eating right, um, you know, having good conversation to unload stuff that's on our mind or on our hearts. Instead, we just we watch TV, we watch thrillers, and then we go to bed with the blue light and all that, and we can't sleep, and we're wondering why we have so much anxiety and stress. I just want rest. And God is saying, 
I'll give it to you. I have it. Just sit still. I've given you a Sabbath. Given you Sunday to, to not have to work. And I understand some people do and all that. But the point is there. I've given you a time to rest. And I've given you time throughout the day to spend time with me. It might be a few minutes just hearing and reading and like coming to attention and seeing what he says. Maybe it's, it's longer. I'm, I'm there. When you need help, I'm there. When you have requests and prayer requests, when you're anxious, I'm there. I'm listening. I'm right there with you. You want rest. I've got it. But we don't take time. We're too busy and stressed. And i got to get up and go and get to work and all that. Listen, I want you to be great workers. I want you to be at work on time. I want you to have a great work ethic. But I need you to pay attention. I need you to stop what you're doing. And don't pay attention to me. Pay attention to the one who's most important. Hear from the Lord. What is he asking you to do? Right now, it says, look, see what I'm doing. Be still know that I'm God. And knowing that he's God, knowing that he's in control, he's the one that's fighting this battle. So let's learn to be still. Let's learn to sit with God. In order to do that, we've got to stop walking. We've got to stop being anxious. My dog is... Um, kind of an anxious dog, and we have wood floors, and so when she's anxious, she just walks along the floor, and we just, and her nails are far too long or whatever. I, I try to cut them regularly, but I don't, but it's, we just hear, and like sometimes like all night, we're like, Molly, just relax. Like, you're making me nervous. It's like, just sit still. And that same thing we need to say to each other, just sit still. Just take some time. Be with the Lord. Just talk with the Lord. Share what's on your heart. In the morning, say, here's my plans. Here's my agenda. I've got this, this, and this. I'm giving it to you. You direct it. You bring interruptions if I need that. You bring people. You direct things, cancel things. I'm giving it to you. But help me to learn how to relax. Help me to learn how to be at peace. Help me to learn how to be still and just see what you're doing because God is at work and God is doing great things and I don't want us to miss it, okay? We started at the beginning with a quote that said, I'm not a rich man, I'm, I'm a poor man with a lot of money. Um, where are you spiritually? Are you poor with a lot of resources or using those resources to come to take some time and be fed by God's word? Find water, that water of life that comes from him, find nourishment through his word, and just pay attention. Pay attention to the most important person in the room, and that's our God. What would it be like? What would it be like if we did that? You know, it doesn't mean that we would not vote. It doesn't mean that we'd turn in our voting rights and we wouldn't, you know, ever be concerned, uh, concerned with that. Uh, that's not the point. Like, you're, Ameri you're citizens of America. You get the right to vote. Go vote. Right? If you're uh, stirred by some of these social things, go, go get involved with it. But don't forget who 
we're fighting against. Don't, don't mistake each other's for the enemy. Don't be filled with hatred and, and just put like our hands on this world that if it falls apart, that everything's ruined. Keep our perspective on God's kingdom. But use your voice. Vote. Be involved in discussion, but shed some love. Shed some grace. Listen to some people. Hear some understanding. Hear some different perspectives. But show some grace in these conversations. So that's what it would be like. But I think we'd be just more peaceful people when you get to work. If you were really able to sit with the Lord and trust him and rest, lives would be different. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. The church has got, God has given us a great mission. But we're going to move at God's pace. And in order to be, move at God's pace, we got to hear him. We got to sit with him. We got to hear from him. We got to be still. And then when he gets up, we'll get moving. All right?